All right, so when we first launched the church uh, a few years ago, we, we launched, for those of you guys that are newer to the church, we launched the church and then about uh, a little over a year after we started our first services, uh, this little thing called COVID, I don't know if you've heard of it, COVID uh, hit. And uh, so we kind of were get, getting like lift off as a church and then we were kind of just slammed back into the ground, turn around, go in the hangar. Uh, so that's kind of been our church story. Uh, but ever since the very beginning, we launched with a teaching team, which is a little unique. Uh, it's typically when you launch a church, it's really launched around the identity and the gifts of a singular person, right? Similar like you, when you think of a company, you think of the founder, right? A lot of times it's the same way with church, and we didn't want to be that way. Uh, so we launched with a teaching team. Actually, the very first Sunday, I told the church, I'm going to speak for uh, 10 weeks to kind of set the standard for kind of our vibe as a church, and then I'm going to go to three on, one off, then I'm going to go to two on, one off, and then I'd like to go eventually by the end of our second year to go to every other week. And I explained why then, reminded you guys about a year and a half ago, and I'll tell you guys again right now. Uh, first reason is because we don't want to be, we don't want to build something that's built on a person. Right? That, I think it's very dangerous and unhealthy to do as an organization to build around the personality and the charisma of one individual. It's not good for that individual. Uh, it's not good for the church. What ends up happening many times if that individual is gifted is the platform which should be honored can become a pedestal. And that's unhealthy. So we don't do that. Second reason is, I don't feel like I have enough to say. Now, my wife would probably disagree. No, I know she'd disagree with that. I don't feel like I have enough to say to do things justice. Uh, third reason is we have a lot of gifted people within the church and outside the church, our friends that are on the teaching team, or they come in and they speak on a one-off basis that are gifted for that message, and they should communicate that because God has gifted them to speak that message passionate to them. Uh, so we launched the teaching team. Fourth uh, reason is it takes 15 plus hours to prep a teaching that most people are going to forget before they go into their car. All right, so <laughs> if we're totally honest, Paul's like, name me like one point from three different sermons over the past year, right? It's a little heartbreaking when you put, spend that much time into a sermon, but the reality is if, if I'd rather take that 15 hours and invest that into leadership development, relationships in the community, relationships, strategic relationships within the city, um, and planning for what God could do through us as a church family. I think that's, I'd rather have 15 one-hour appointments with individuals in the church, uh, if I can, over prepping a sermon that people are going to forget. So with that, that's the, those are the four main reasons why we launched with the teaching team. With that, Eric, our elder Eric, is slated to speak today, but he had some situations that came up with the family. So... Uh, we made it work to where we filmed him. And so this is the first time we've ever done this as a church where we showed a video at church. Like not like during pandemic, everyone's streaming at home, but like literally showing a video at church. So this is not normal. We're not like a satellite campus of a mega church and we're showing the video right now. But this is unique to us. So I don't know how it's going to go. I'd love your feedback. All right. And if you like it, let me know. If you love it, uh, email me at... Um, uh, I'm not sure at gmail.com, and then we'll, we'll take care of it from there. Okay, so uh, with that, uh, here's uh, Eric West, our elder. Hey, Voice family. We are so glad that we found a way for me to be with you today through technology, and we're so excited for this sermon today, so thank you. Now, if you haven't noticed yet, we are in a different space. Today, we are in downtown Santa Ana CrossFit. They are so gracious to, to have us. Uh, set up and, and shoot the sermon this way. Right above us is a practice space for bands. So you're going to hear some background sound. And you know what? Today we're talking about being grounded in the midst of life's distractions. And so, hey, 
some free backup music for the sermon today. We're excited for that. But today we're talking about Game Changers. And this is our third sermon in our series titled Game Changers. And I want to just start get you thinking about things in your life that have totally changed the game. Totally changed the game. I know for me, a couple right off the top of my head. If you don't know yet, you will know soon. The first thing that jumps into my head for the thing that changes the game is Triple Inferno. It's this amazing blend of scorpion chili and, and it's spicy, it's salty. Oh, it's amazing. If you don't know yet, Triple Inferno, check it out. Seat warmers. We lived up in Canada for a few years and it was cold and rainy for months and months. And seat warmers, first time in my life, game changer. And then number three, if you don't know yet, dip clips. Dip clips. They are little trays you stick into your AC port in your uh, the vent in your car and they keep your ketchup or whatever cool. Dip clips. Anyway, game changers. Things in your life that totally change the game. Now, what we're talking about more specifically are spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Now, this series is going to focus on spiritual disciplines because spiritual disciplines help us stay close to God. They help us practice the same attitudes, the same behaviors that Jesus practiced. They help us in the midst of a crazy life with bands practicing above you and not getting to do plan A, B, or C for a Sunday. You know how it goes. Spiritual disciplines help keep us grounded today. Grounded. Help us to stay who we're supposed to be in God. Help us to stay close to God. So a quick case for spiritual disciplines. Two years ago, the world shut down with COVID, and me and a million other people on Instagram decided that with this spare time, we were going to learn how to make sourdough. So I did. I've always wanted to, and I started my starter from scratch. And through lots of trial and error, and I mean error, little pieces, little actions every day, I learned from making, I learned from scratch how to make sourdough first really badly, <laughs> but... I learned how to make sourdough, and now the process, and if you make sourdough, you know this, the process of sourdough is just a part of my life. And maybe you have a similar story, whether it's running or exercise or another hobby, where just slowly and surely that discipline makes it into your life, and then you can't imagine life without it. And that's our hope for spiritual disciplines through this series, is little by little you become closer and closer to God. And little by little, these disciplines take you to a place you never have, never have gone before in your relationship with God. Richard Foster, in his great book, Celebrating Disciplines, which I'm going to talk about a bit today, he says that spiritual disciplines are pretty different than other disciplines, like running or physical or working out. Here we are in a CrossFit gym that's just defined by disciplines. He says spiritual disciplines are different. These disciplines, spiritual disciplines like prayer and confession and reading scripture and meditation, things we're going to talk about today, they're different because they don't make you like God. They don't make you like God. What they do is they put you in position to get closer to God who is the one who makes you like him. We, these disciplines, open up space. They open up territory in our minds and our lives for God to have more of us, for us to have more of him. It's really cool. I want to remind you today that we are not urging you to add more things to your checklist. Our faith is not a checklist. We don't do a bunch of stuff to feel good about 
ourselves at the end of the day. We don't earn grace. We don't earn God's favor. That's the opposite of what the Christian faith teaches. And in fact, I would say we don't do religion at all. What Jesus offers us is real relationship. Real relationship. And through him and the Holy Spirit, it's not about a spiritual checklist. It's about checking in with God daily. It's about continuing a conversation, building a relationship that through these disciplines, through these disciplines, our life changes to be more and more like him. I'm really, really excited for this. So we're talking about grounded today. And it's not the kind of grounded where you had a party without your parents knowing. It's the type of grounded where you are insulated. Think more electricity. When, when you have all this stuff happening around you, your house is full of electrical things, and what protects you, what keeps you safe, is the fact that everything's grounded. It's that place that you come back to when it feels like the world's spinning out of control some days, and you come back and you feel connected. You feel protected. And that's what I think our two disciplines today, reading scripture and meditation, is going to help us stay grounded. Stay grounded. Last week, Pastor Natalie talked about the spiritual disciplines of prayer, worship, and confession today, reading scripture, meditation. You can go back and listen to these. But if you truly want to get closer to God, and not just like a streak on a Bible app, but really get closer to God and hear from him, this is a series worth investing in. This is a series worth investing in. Okay, grounded. So this week's spiritual disciplines are reading scripture and meditation. Let's start with the first one, reading scripture. Now, if you don't know this already, I am a Bible teacher by trade. I've, I've done a bunch of education, but every single day I teach the Bible. Every single day. Not weekends, but we talk about it with my kids on the weekends too. But I love reading scripture. And one of the things that I've had to learn about myself is is something that I want to show us as a church is that uh, it's a way to approach scripture that makes sure that we keep scripture what it's meant to be. Let me explain. What I love about this church is I know in, in the congregation, at any given Sunday, we have people who have been around faith for a long time. And we have people sitting next to people who are new to faith or who are exploring faith. And we say, welcome to both groups. We actually need both of you to be healthy as a church. But with that in mind, I want to start at the beginning. We talk about reading scripture. If you've heard some of this before, if you've been around faith a while, this is a good reminder for you. If you're new to it, listen up. This is for you. The first thing, when we approach reading scripture that I want you to know, first thing, is that the Bible is not a book. It's a library. The Bible is not a book. It's a library. And if you can imagine walking into a library, we used to be able to do stuff like that, you would see in each corner of the library different sections, different types of books. We have fiction. We have poetry. We have cookbooks. We have history books. And every time you approach a different genre, you read it differently, right? You don't read a cookbook the same way that you read poetry. There's different rules. And so I want to remind you that the Bible, although it is bound like a book, is actually a library. And each book in this library needs to be approached a little bit different. Okay, that's number one. The Bible's not a book, it's a library. Number two, it's not written to you, but it's written for you. Scripture's not written to you, it's written for you. Now, much of the content in our Bible 
what we call the New Testament and Old Testament today, is at least 2,000 years old. It's not written to the uh, American, North American in 2022. Think of it as we are kind of reading somebody else's mail, right? So you need to understand what's happening in the original world, what's happening in the original language in which this stuff was written. Without that, you would be missing out on a lot of what the original intention was, the original message was. Now, that being said, the fact that it's not written to us directly, but it is written for us, I want to remind you that Hebrews 4.12 says this, and let me read it. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This book, our Bible, the library, it's not meant to replace God. We don't put the Bible up on the same pedestal or throne as God, but we, we do understand that God works outside of it, but he also uses these wonderful tools, these books of the Bible, to speak to us to develop us, to continue to help us be more and more like Christ. And what's so great about this is I love that it says it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It's not so much that we learn to read Scripture as much as we learn to let Scripture read us. So that's number two. Number three, context is key. Context is key. We need to learn how to get acquainted with the world of the Bible. And so what's so, think of it like this. What if my, uh, my daughter wrote me a letter, and in this letter she was just apologizing and, and telling me she's never going to do it again, and, and the thing that she did was uh, just awful and whatever. And I stood up and read this letter in church, but I didn't give you any of the story behind it. Without the story, without the context, the original letter wouldn't really be understood all that well. It's not that the letter wouldn't be valuable, it's just that it's, it's incomplete without the story that surrounds it. And so I wanted to say, remember, when you read scripture, if you're new to this, that context is key. So where do you find context? Well, one of the things I'm going to talk about in this sermon and and do a lot is to show you resources. One of the best ways I've found is to go grab yourself a study Bible. Okay, this is an NIV study Bible. There's lots of them. Um, I also use the ESV study Bible. If you need help with that, let me know. Let another pastor or elder know. We'll get you connected. But they have study notes down at the bottom. So you read the scripture, and then you help read the context and the, the original meaning, and then you apply it to your life. So don't just take scripture sometimes at its face value. Fill in the picture. Bring the context, and then you will really understand what God is trying to say to them and to you. So context is key. That's number three. Number four, and this is a bit of a practical note. Number four, when you come across, in your Bible reading, when you come across a question, apply the WebMD principle. Here's what I mean. When you come across a really tough theological question and you feel stuck, don't Google it. That's number four. Don't Google it. It's the same principle as WebMD. If you have some symptoms, if you're feeling sick in a certain way, don't WebMD it. Because the minute you do that, you think your life is over. Or you start treating an illness that you don't have. Or your life just, in the case of Scripture, moves in a different direction than what God had for you. Don't 
Google it. Don't just listen to what one person wrote on Wikipedia one time. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have, uh, as much as we can, we gather on Sunday. This is why we have pastors and elders who can answer these questions. And I would love for you to email or call me and ask random Bible questions. That's literally what I do for a living. Like, let's do that. But don't Google it. Because we want to start you off on a, a firmer foundation than just some random comment online. Number five, last one. Everyday resources. Now, I'm going to say a bunch of resources right now. These are resources that you can use today for free. But there's going to be links to all these resources on social media a little bit later. So don't worry about writing them down super fast right now. The first one is uh, might be on your phone already is version. It's a very popular version of the Bible app that's translated uh, into lots of different translations. It's downloaded uh, millions of times every year, version. And what's so great about this is you can read different translations of the Bible for free. And what's so great about that is you can take a verse that maybe doesn't come off as super clear, and you could read three or four or five different translations, and it helps fill in some of the gaps. You could do all that for free. There's also Bible reading plans where you could choose a five-day, a 15-day, a year-long plan, and your phone will remind you to do that plan every day. What was such a great tool. But there's also a couple other things I want to put on your radar. Bibleproject.com. Bibleproject.com. This is a resource I use in my Bible class for high schoolers every day. Bibleproject.com is a, a, a vast website now. Has uh, explanation videos for every book of the Bible. Has this new beta software where you can do classes, big, medium, or small, all for free. It's, it's a nonprofit. BibleProject.com. Write that down or click the link a little bit later. And then lastly is Right Now Media. Right Now Media is the Netflix of Christian content. But it's not just limited to TV. It's, there's uh, Bible study resources for small groups. There's all kinds of downloads. And what's so great is Voice Church buys access uh, for uh, people who are members here at Voice. And you can talk to uh, Pastor Natalie and Pastor Taka today. They can get you connected. But that access is already paid for, ready for you to use. Right Now Media is Amazing. So there's just a few to get you started. But let's transition now. So that's a good place to start about how to read Scripture. And you've, we've talked about some specific examples of where to start. But I want to answer the question of why. Like in the midst of our busy life when we really have to sacrifice some time, why would we implement the spiritual discipline of reading Scripture every day? I think we would do that. We would set aside time every day to read the Bible if we understood Scripture as God's love letter to us and not just some Christian text to check the box on every day. Here's what I mean. Pastor Taka said this a couple weeks ago, stuck in my brain. I think it's awesome. What if that special someone, boy or girl, went old school and wrote you a handwritten letter? A handwritten letter. And before that, you were just saying, you know, I'm just not that into reading. I, I just don't, I'd rather watch something or listen to a podcast. I'm just not that into reading. But that special someone hand-delivered this handwritten letter to you. I think you would get into reading pretty fast. I think you would make some time. You would break your rule of not being into reading. And you would read this letter at least once. And I would argue you'd probably reread it. And maybe even re-re-read it. And what's so true about that is you would read that letter not because of the interesting things that that person would say, but because of the interest in the person, you would understand that their letter doesn't just connect you to the information that they wrote down. The letter 
connects you to the author. Why you would make time for that letter is because it connects you to the author. And what I love about thinking about Scripture as God's love letter to us is that's absolutely what it does, is it connects us to its author. Reading Scripture, making time every day will connect you to God in a way that you have never thought possible, especially if you're new to this. Making time to read Scripture every day means making time to talk with God every day. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, says all Scripture... All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We read scripture to learn how to talk to and listen to God. That's why we would make time. Now, we know, here's something you may not have thought of, but I know in my life and through talking to lots of Christians that God speaks in at least three ways. There's more, but at least three ways. First one is directly through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God just speaks directly to you. I know I've had that experience a couple times in my life, and it's very real, and it's very powerful. That's the first. The second is that God speaks through other people. I used to say that God speaks through Christian people, but you know what? God speaks through people. Sometimes they don't even know it. Whether it's a, a key conversation with a loved one, or it's happening right now on a Sunday morning, or a small group setting, or a conference. God speaks through people. And then third, and probably the most common, is that God speaks through the reading of Scripture. God wants to speak to you through Scripture. If you're struggling to hear God, or you're just like new to the idea in the first place, or it's been a while, I want to ask you a question, and it might be a bit confrontational, is how much are you reading the Bible? How much time are you spending listening to Him? So why would we study scripture every day? Well, another thing that I'd say is 1 Corinthians 11.1 says this. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And what we learn about the purpose of reading scripture, yeah, it's God's love letter to us, and we're going to connect to him through that. But the purpose of reading scripture is it's not an information book. It's an imitation book. The purpose of reading the Bible isn't just about gathering Bible information. It's to get that information to help us be more like Christ. It's an imitation book. Maybe you've been studying Scripture like a textbook for a long time, and you just don't feel like it's moving your faith forward. You know a lot of Bible verses. Maybe you've memorized them. You know a lot of stories. But you've never read Scripture hoping to connect to the author, and you just feel stuck. Paul actually writes about you as well, and I know I have been there, and this is one of the areas I constantly need to to, to fight because I I sometimes can approach Scripture like a textbook. And here's what he says to people like me and maybe like you. He says in 2 Timothy 3, 7, describing the person who's familiar with Scripture but is not connecting to the author of Scripture, he says this. He describes them by saying they're always learning, always learning, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. And we know that God is true, and God's peace is true. Okay, so what does it mean to read Scripture, to connect with God every day? And that's where the second discipline, meditation, comes in. Now, you may have noticed that this sermon is a little unconventional. I'm not here to just convince you to read Scripture, to add it to your checklist. It's going to benefit your day. This is all about 
getting grounded in God's word. It's all about feeling connected in the midst of a crazy world. It's about knowing God day in and day out. Remember, that's the purpose of scripture here. But let's talk about meditation. Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law. And he's talking about the Old Testament at the time, but then applies to the New Testament too. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. He says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And that word meditate shouldn't scare you. It shouldn't scare you at first. It simply means, if you look up uh, meditate in the dictionary, it just simply means focused thinking. Focused thinking. And meditation actually at its core is an Eastern idea, meaning uh, it, it, it originated in a more Eastern culture at a more Eastern uh, time when the world was dominated by this Eastern thought about meditation. And what's so cool is we realize the Bible was written in that same culture. So as a 21st century American Christian, we need to approach meditation in the way that the original authors intended it. And that was simply to dwell on something, to have times where we focused our thinking to bring things up that we needed to be reminded of. And that's what Joshua talks about, is keeping these words always on our lips, always in our minds. And I want to think about it another way by reading a few verses from Philippians. This is going to be about five verses, so hang in there. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. This is what Paul encourages us in our thinking. When we choose what we think about, here's what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. Rejoice. That's something you choose to do. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Love that. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, think about these things. Put these things in your mind. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, Put these things into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a popular Christian uh, author, you can find her books uh, all over. She says her, her brain science uh, comes down pretty simply to the, the sentence, says, your mind controls your brain. She says your mind controls your brain, meaning you can't always control the thoughts that pop in, but you can always control the thoughts that you dwell on. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what you're thinking about? How you can actually control what gets the, the, the most territory in your mind. And Paul writes that you should think about all the things that are good. You should think about all the ways that we're supposed to be becoming more like Christ. To fill our mind with the things that please God. And if I'm honest... I don't always fill my mind with the best stuff. And because of that, I don't always experience God's peace, right? And if you come back to the original point of meditation, meditation is just focused thinking. And I bet you've probably spent some time meditating in the last 24 hours and haven't even really noticed it. 
How long have you spent meditating on social media today or this week? How long have you spent meditating on image, finances, health? Now, those things in and of themselves aren't necessarily evil. But I wonder if, for you, if they're the right things to be meditating on. Because whatever we think about, we, it shapes our life. Whatever we meditate on shapes who we are. And so what I want to urge you is we now combine scripture and meditation. And we talk about some practical tips. Is I hope that you see this compelling reason why reading scripture and spending time to dwell on it, to focus our thinking on it, is exactly what God wants you to do. This is exactly who God wants you to be. Not because you get to brag about it or post about it, but because he gets to spend time with you while you do it. So what does it look like to read scripture and meditate on a daily basis? What I'm going to say in four specific things here is just what works for me. This is, this is my template. And I want to tell you that this is after years and years of trying different things and tweaking what I work what, what works for me but I want to encourage you to know that it's probably going to change for me too so it's just about finding what works in the season that you're in this what I'm going to offer today is just a template if you don't know where to start start with this if you don't know how to get back into it we'll switch it up try what I do or try what you know works just get started so here's four things that I think will help you with your spiritual disciplines of reading scripture and meditation. First thing, number one, schedule it like an appointment. Schedule it like an appointment. Literally put it in your eye calendar if you need to. Schedule, I, I know for me that there's the time of the day, for me it's in the morning, where it starts and when it stops. I know where I'm going to sit and I know that I need to have a cup of coffee in my hand, but schedule it like an appointment, right? Make sure that this thing is fit into your day in the right time where you know you can be consistent. Now, it's not more holy if it's earlier in the morning. If you're a night person, schedule it then. If you have a, a, a lunch block every day, we'll repurpose your lunch and make this your time for your spiritual disciplines. And that being said, church, be flexible. Try everything and see what feels the best. And maybe you're just not feeling it this morning and you need to change it to the nighttime. That's great. Give yourself the same grace that Jesus died to give you. It's not a checklist. It's an appointment. It's a time set aside to focus on God, to connect with him. Here's my advice. Schedule it like an appointment. Make a bunch of mistakes. Learn from those mistakes, but just don't quit. Just don't quit. Schedule the appointment and get there every day. Number one, so number two, have a reading plan chosen ahead of time. And these were some of the resources that I talked about previously will, will come in is, is don't figure out what you're reading at your scheduled time, uh, your scheduled appointment time. Have that pre-decided. And if you need a place to start, here's some ideas. Number one, read through the book of Mark. This is the, the first gospel ever written. It's also the shortest. And if you've never read through a book of the Bible, read the Jesus story. How great is that? Read through the book of Mark. You don't have to read a whole chapter in a day. Read a couple of verses. Who cares how long it takes you? But that's a good place to start. If you've done that, maybe read through John. That's a great uh, next step gospel to the book of Mark. Here's some other ideas. If you don't know what to read and, and you've, or you feel like you've read everything, well, Proverbs has 31 chapters. Maybe read the chapter that corresponds with the day of the month that we're on. 
and you could read through Proverbs in about a month. Or uh, read a version Bible plan that takes five days or two weeks or, or, or a year. Usually the shorter the better. You want to get some wins under your, your belt. But uh, choose what you're going to read ahead of time. And then if it doesn't work, change it. But stick to, stick to it. Stick with it for a little bit and see how it connects with what you're doing. Now, there's no wrong answer. The wrong answer is just not to read. The wrong answer is just not to show up. And pro tip, especially if you're new to this or you're getting back into it, don't use this if you can. I know there's lots of great resources, but when you're getting started, this has so many our cell phones have so many opportunities to distract us, and this time is so short and so precious. Maybe just go old school. Read the analog Bible, the paper version, print out some notes, whatever you need to do, and don't be distracted for that time. Okay, so you've scheduled it. You've kept the appointment. You've read a chapter or a verse or a section of scripture or a piece of your Bible plan. Awesome, you're doing great. So now you're in this space, you've read, and here's where meditation comes in. Number three. Prayerfully invite God into your space. Now this could be, this is the meditation part. This could be inviting God into what's happening up here. Inviting God what's happening in here. Or inviting God what's happening at home. Or at work. Or wherever. But intentionally inviting God. Now I want you to understand that it doesn't mean that God isn't already there. What you're asking is for God's awareness of what he's already doing, that, that he's already at work in your situation. You're asking for God to show you what he's already doing. See, what I love about reading scripture and then inviting God into our space is it means we could read it and totally misunderstand it and not know and have all these questions, but then when we invite God into our space, we get to ask him those questions. We get to wrestle with uh, the, the tough commands sometimes that Jesus gives us to forgive to love our enemies and forgive people who've wronged us. And following Jesus isn't always easy, but God is always willing to help us. Now, what I, what I find is that distractions come quite a bit at this time, and I think it's just maybe a natural part of life. I know for me, uh, distractions come and take me all over the place. And what I have found through this time of intentionally inviting God into my space, it's not a one-time thing. It's probably going to happen for me every minute. But just let those distractions, be aware of the distraction and come back and say, God, can you help me get grounded again in you? I invite you back into my space. I left for a second, but now I'm back. Will you help me feel grounded in you today? Number four is end with prayer. And I'm going to call it journaling. But it could be lots of stuff. Let me explain. Now, I wasn't always a journal. In fact, that word I just thought was kind of weird. And the way that I approach this, this is actually my journal. The way that I approach this is after I read scripture, I write my prayer to God. Now, the reason why I write it down and I don't type it, that's just for me, do that if, if it helps. Or record yourself as like an e-blog thing. But do whatever works for you. But for me, I have found I'm very distractible and I needed a way to stay focused. And I count this as part of my meditation, to dwell on it. When I read scripture and I feel a nudge that that's what God wants me to read, wants me to be mindful of today, I write it down so that I remember it. I write down my prayer requests. I write down some pretty honest stuff. In fact, 
Um, I've asked my family to not just open this up and read it because I have some real stuff in here and God can handle it. In fact, I think God loves it the more real we are with him, when the gloves come off, so to speak. But I, this has become a wonderful track record. I've only been doing this about three years. It has become a wonderful record of how many times God has answered prayer, how many times God has shown up, and I have forgotten about it. I come back here, and I check back, and I realize God's been faithful every step. So it's just an idea. Grab yourself a cheap notebook and get started, or use whatever method works for you. So end with prayer and journaling. Now, in closing, have you ever noticed the more time you spend with someone, the more you start to act like that person? The more you, you, you laugh at what they laugh at, or the more that you just think like that person in general, you're like, oh, they would love this. That's what we're talking about today. The more time through the discipline of reading scripture and meditating, the more time we spend with God, the more we become like him, the more we get to know him and know what makes him laugh and know what he loves. And the more time we spend with him, the more we become like Jesus. And that's the goal. That's the point. Now, next week, we're going to talk about uh, this idea of integrity. We're going to have a couple more spiritual disciplines that come up. Not integrity as like what you do when no one's looking. Integrity of like what's keeping this building up right now, right? Like, what's the foundation? But before we do that, I want to stop, say thank you to God, say a quick prayer, and just again, voice, thank you so much for allowing me to do the sermon this way. What a blessing. Let's pray. Lord, as we think about reading scripture, as we think about meditation, I pray that today for those, all of us who are starting something new that seems scary, I pray that you would bless us right there in that intention, right there in that moment. Help us to find the space, the place, the time that makes sense to start our discipline, making the appointment, choosing what we're going to read, showing up, creating a distraction-free environment, inviting you into the space. God, I just, would you help us every step of the way? For those of us who have done this before and we just had a falling out, I feel like there's some of us in the congregation that just have tried it before and maybe we've just gotten into this with the wrong intentions. God, would you help us to get back on, back into reading and connecting with you? Help us to reframe scripture as a love letter, as an imitation book, not an information book. God, you love us. You love us. This is not about creating a Christian checklist. It's about making an appointment to spend time with the God who sent his son to die for us. Why? Because he loves us. He wants to be a part of our life today. Lord, bless us. Holy Spirit, fill our minds and our hearts and teach us what it means to do these disciplines in a way that benefits us, that brings us more peace. Help us to love people because we feel loved by you every single day. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen. Thanks, church.